2017 Scare Christian Podcast. I'm Daniel Jones. I'm Justin Farmer. Welcome back, guys. It's season two. Woo. Season two of the podcast. Uh, last year was our first season. Um, we cranked out nine episodes. It was a lot of fun. And we're really looking forward to this new year and the new season. We got a lot of things planned. A whole lot of things. Um, we started last year our series of things that scare Christians. We're going to have a lot more of those this year. Um, a lot of cool things to talk about and people to share their stories with you. We've got some new music going on. We've got new segments that we're going to plug into the podcast. So we are pumped about season two. Yes. We had an awesome year last year um, with those nine episodes. We hope to bring you a couple more extras this year. Um, right off the bat, Farmer had a new baby. Yep. I uh, now am the father of a little baby girl. First little girl. My first girl. I uh, now have four kids. Um, I'm not a Mormon. I just, uh, we have four kids now. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I got three little boys and now a little girl, so that's exciting. Not a lot of sleep that's happening in my house, but uh, we're pretty stoked about it. Awesome. So if you if you didn't know, we actually did our first uh, Facebook Live video. Yeah, it turned out really good. It was a uh, question uh, Q and A with with the Scary Christian podcast. We did it live from my hot tub. It was awesome. It was very nice. Over three thousand views the first day, and uh, you guys tuned in and asked us tons of questions we went for like an hour and a half it was yeah pretty amazing it was a lot of fun thanks to everyone that tuned in and yeah. uh chatted with us and asked us questions uh definitely not be the last time we do that this year uh, we had a lot of fun and um like we said during that video if you all have questions for us about anything about the horror movies about christianity the bible whatever we'd love to talk about it um i don't know that we're the smartest dudes in the world um but we can definitely throw our two cents in and have a discussion with everybody um so yeah that was a lot of fun the hot tub was very comfortable very yeah. nice we it wasn't too awesome hot cigars hot tub was not too hot it we was were, a little hot it got hot at the end <laughs> yeah it was pretty miserable at the end yeah we were sweating but it was a lot of fun. Um, so maybe that might be like a regular segment, like live from the hot tub. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good time. So as far as that uh, hot tub Q&A, we talked mainly about the movie 31, Rob Zombie's new uh, movie. And if you want to hear the hot tub Q&A live, it's on my Facebook, which is Daniel Jones Tattoos, or you can find it on the Scare Christian podcast Facebook. That's right. Uh, we talked about a lot, a lot of stuff. Um, a lot of people had a lot of really good questions. Uh, we talked a lot about Rob Zombie's new movie, 31. Uh, we both really liked it. And we had a lot of things to say about that. Some people asked us some great questions, like what's our favorite horror movies? Uh, what do we think about demonic possession movies? Um, I feel like we covered so, so much in um, as far as the world of horror and the different genres and favorite actors and directors and things like that. So um, if you want it, yeah, like Daniel said, if you want to check it out, it's still up on our Facebook. Um, and yeah, I think about an hour and a half or so. It's a lot like one of our podcasts. You can just sit and listen to it. Uh, and if you want to watch, it's just us naked in a hot tub talking about horror movies. Oh, yeah, that's right. We were naked. We were totally naked, yeah. And Farmer will show you some of his tattoos without showing his wiener. I don't, yeah, I think I, I don't think my wiener made it into the video. 
Which, good or bad, I don't know, but I think that's what we did. <laughs> what are we going to talk about this week on the Scare Christian Podcast, Farmer? Today we are going to talk about the 2014 movie, It Follows. Ooh, good movie. Farmer, why don't you tell these guys what that movie's about? For those of you who haven't seen It Follows, um, it's a movie about a girl named Jay who meets a guy named Hugh, um, and they like each other, and they end up hooking up. Shortly thereafter, he kidnaps her and reveals to her that um, they didn't just have sex, that he also gave her something. Uh, not chlamydia. Not a normal STD. No, not not the herps, not the HIV, but something else. And basically, through them having sex, what was passed on to her was this curse where this creature, um, which is never given a name... Um, will continually follow you until it kills you unless you have sex with someone and then it passes to them. Now, let me just stop you right there because I know by, uh, by the description of this movie, a lot of people might think that it's stupid because it kind of sounds dumb, but it's actually really good. I really, really like this yeah, movie. Yeah, I really like this movie too. And <laughs> the main thing I like about this movie is the 80s feel. We are we are, grew up in the 80s. We love horror from the 80s, 80s slashers and whatnot. Um, the music in this movie by itself sells me on it. It's amazing. Yeah, I love the movie. In this. I absolutely agree. I loved the m- music in this movie. Um, it was done by a guy named Disaster Piece, and he does, um, I believe, what is called like 8-bit music. Um, and so that's kind of what the soundtrack is. It's kind of this like 80s, 8-bit kind of ominous feel. So it's like a good mesh of like the 80s feel and a modern kind of techno feel. Yeah. But it's not like techno. It's not like Skrillex. It's not like... It's like this very ominous kind of feel to it. It's hard to describe. Not too many other movies, I think, have done soundtracks like this. I think Similar to the Stranger Things. Yeah, kind of like Stranger Things or even Sinister had some similar style stuff in it. But nothing quite like what's in it follows. And, I mean, the soundtrack is wonderful. Um, some people disagree. We have a friend that him and his wife uh, walked out of the theater on this movie. And I think part of it was because of the soundtrack. So if you're expecting a horror movie that's a lot like what's coming out now, uh, you're going to be thrown off by It Follows because It Follows is really, really different, but kind of has this uh, 80s feel, like Daniel was saying, while being modern. Um, for me, I think this might sound like a slam. It might sound like a diss, but I totally don't mean it that way. It Follows is the Napoleon Dynamite of horror film. Why, why do you say that? It's, it, it reminds me so much of Napoleon Dynamite. I know. I love Napoleon Dynamite. I love that movie. It was a great movie. And this movie feels like it because it's a movie that never really tells you what year it is or what time frame it is. And they purposely throw things in this movie to throw you off because, like, with It Follows, it feels like it's supposed to be set in the 80s because of, like, um, Jay and her friends and her sister are watching TV on, like, an old, fat-back TV. Yeah, the clothing. Yeah, all the clothing, the cars. Like, um, the boy that Jay goes out with, Hugh, he's driving, like, this awesome, like, 1970s Impala or something. But there's also modern cars. But then there's modern things. And then, like... um, one part of like the gang there's jay who's the main girl her two friends or her sister kelly her then their friend yara and then their friend paul yara has this crazy little it looks like a compact for makeup but it's like a kindle 
it's like a it looks like a, sh- a, a shell. Yeah, like it looks a like a seashell. shell. So it's v- like stuff we don't even have now, super modern, mixed with this like 80s nostalgic kind of feel. So for me, Napoleon Dynamite was kind of the same way. Like a lot of things felt older, but then people have cell phones and it's modern. So it's kind of yeah throws you off a little bit. You don't quite know when this movie's supposed to take place, if it's in the past or the future or whatever. Um, but I really like that about it. Like that's... It- this movie keeps you guessing in a lot of ways. Yeah, just the confusion of the timeline really adds to the movie, in my opinion. So, yeah, the the whole basic premise of the movie is that this it from the It Follows is that's what it does. It follows you, trying to get you. And um, the the guy that gives Jay the, the curse or whatever, uh, his name is Hugh, he tells her, no matter where you are in the world, this thing is always walking towards you. He's like, it's slow, but it's not stupid. And it's a shapeshifter. So it can appear as somebody you know or somebody you don't know. And that's part of the fun of this movie is that every time you see the creature, it's somebody different. Like the And only the people who have the curse or have had it can see it. And we learned that at the beginning. Like uh, Jay points out – Jay and Hugh are playing this game – of at who, the movie theater. Yeah, at the movie theater of who you would want to be in the room you're in. And uh, Hugh guesses this girl in a green dress for Jay. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he points. He's like, right there by the door. And there's no one standing in the doorway. And then when she's like, yeah, there's no one there, he instantly, his mood changes and they leave. And that's when you start to see something's wrong with him. Um, and so after they have sex, he like chloroforms her. And uh, ties her up in a wheelchair in, a, in this like abandoned hospital or something. No, it's like it's like a abandoned parking garage. Parking garage, yeah. And um, he just waits for the thing to come, and then shows her the thing, and it, and it comes. It first appears as just this naked woman walking towards him. Yeah. And he, it's I like that scene because in it he's giving you all the rules to this creature, mm-hmm. and it's always moving towards you. It can be anything it wants. Um, and the only way to get rid of it is by having sex with someone, and it then passes to them. But if it catches somebody and it kills them, then it goes back to the previous person it was hunting. Yeah, it's never satisfied, so it's constant. You never know if it's going to come back to you, but you can always see it once you've had the curse. So, real, I, I really like the movie because it gives you some rules for what's going to happen. But I like um, that it doesn't give any backstory. Like, you don't know what the thing is. You don't know where it came from. You don't know why it's happening. It's just, here's the situation. Here's the rules. Deal with it. And I love that about this movie. Yeah. Um, Speaking of that that scene in the... um in the parking garage, that's you know we talked about a little bit earlier about how this film was shot, and you being a director, you know a little bit more than I do. But that scene when she he he actually duct tapes her to a wheelchair or something, and you the it's like the camera is mounted to the wheelchair as it's facing her for yeah. a good part of the scene, and that that's something that they do a lot in this movie. They either show things from her point of view. Um, which makes it very personal. It seems a little more personal than mm-hmm. just you know showing it from a distance. Um, That's the nice thing about this movie is it, it's beautiful the way it's shot, um, and it's I, I I like a lot of things about the way this movie is shot. I like that um, the sets and all the surrounding things. It's not a very clean movie. 
like um, there's the part where Jay's swimming in the pool. The pool's kind of dirty and there's stuff on the bottom. Where they live, everything's not tidied up, which I really like because it feels more realistic. Yeah. Like the windows aren't clean. And it reminds me a lot of like 80s Steven Spielberg, kind of like uh, The Goonies or movies like that or E.T. where things just aren't spick and span HGTV sets. It's more realistic, cluttered, kind of, you know how normal people live. Um, and then also the way that the cinematography is done in this movie is really cool. Um, a lot of modern horror um, uses the handheld camera, a lot of shakiness and crazy high shutter speeds whipping around. This movie does the exact opposite. There's a lot of shots. They're shot really wide. They're shot on a tripod. There's a lot of symmetry to the shots. And one thing this movie does a lot um, that I noticed this last time I was watching it, it'll do where the camera's like on a tripod. It'll spin to something and then zoom in on it really slowly. And so it has this effect of like you're the the creature or whatever and it's sucking your attention in on a certain focal point. So mm-hmm. a really beautifully shot movie and very um, different from a lot of modern horror, which I think kind of makes this movie stand out. You know, the acting in this movie is pretty top-notch too. I mean, for a bunch of no-name people, I don't know that I recognize anybody from any other movie. But yeah, I mean... the. The main girl, Jay, she's perfect for this role. Yeah, I, I think that um, all the, the main characters are all these kind of, uh, I guess they're all supposed to be around 19. They're all, um, they're like community college age. And uh, they're so believable as far as like their interaction with each other and them being the age they are. And there's definitely like this sense of they're on their own in the world even though most of them live at home. Yeah. Like, um, even though, like, Jay and Kelly still live at home with their mom, you see her mom, like, once or twice, and I don't even think they show her face. Yeah, they don't ever, like, run to mommy about their problems kind of right. in this movie. And even, yeah, like, all the, um, like, their friend Yara is always at their house. You know, and even um, the cool guy, uh, Greg, who shows up halfway in the movie. Douchebag. I, I don't mind him. Um, but I think that even him, like, he's living at home doing his thing. You see his mom once, and it's not the best scene for Greg. But, um, yeah, it definitely has this this feel of, like, the adults can't help you no matter what. You know, it's like any interaction they seem to have with adults, they're not very helpful. Yeah. Um, so I, I like that, that this movie, it's kind of like a teen scream. Yeah, and, the you know, the jump scares in this movie is something I really like. There's mm-hmm. uh, the scene where... The girl's knocking at the door, and they're all scared because they think that it's one of the, the, the ghost things that, that follows. And they open the door, and there she is. And they're like, okay, it's just her. And then this huge dude out of nowhere who you haven't seen who's one of the It Follows people. Yeah. Um, and he's like, his eyes are missing or something. He's yeah. like and he's eight like, foot tall. He's, yeah, he's a monster, like yeah. a real person, too. That's I like about this movie. There's not a lot of like CG. Yeah. Like all the, the different uh, characters that the It takes on are real people, but... They present them in such a, a strange and unsettling way that it just makes the movie feel really ominous and very weird. Like at one point, there's like a fully nude man on the girl's roof. At one point, there's a girl who looks like maybe she was in a car accident that it takes on the form with like, like uh, she's just in a bra with one of her boobs hanging out. She's wearing one sock. She's pissing herself. Like, is she the one that's missing her teeth? Maybe, yeah, yeah. There's something wrong with her face. Like super strange like you never see like every time it changes you never know what it's going to be like it's always something strange and kind of unsettling which leads the kids to well 
they're they're all sitting outside of like the school and this girl with like a soccer ball is walking towards them and they just start freaking out while the one girl starts freaking out and like do you see her do you see her and it looks like she could possibly be one of the things but it's just a normal kid so yeah you know the the who is it kind of thing is always up in the air because they really don't know unless they're horribly disfigured or they're completely naked which is a common thing yeah and uh well and that's the nice thing about this movie is it keeps you guessing i mean there's times when um I won't, I won't say when, but the it takes on the form of characters in the film, like them, some of the main characters, so you don't know that it's not them kind of thing. So you never really know if the people are who they are or if it's the it. Um, so that's kind of nice. I know this is one of those movies, like what I like about it is because it doesn't give you too much information, but it does give you certain rules. It's a movie for me that stuck with me to where – days after i watched it i was running scenarios in my head like oh what if this happened to me and how would i get away from it and um you know what would i do i actually um because basically a lot in this movie they just run from it you know because it's slow it's constantly walking towards you is the rule um so they get in cars and they drive away and that gives them time but eventually it catches up but i was thinking about it and i did i got nerdy about it and i kind of worked out the math for it so uh, I was thinking, what if you just drove from one coast to the other? Yeah. How would that work? So roughly 5,057 miles coast to coast to the USA. Um, if you drive it, that's roughly 60 hours of driving, okay? The average walking speed is 3.1 miles per hour. So say, I mean, this thing, that's all it does. So say it's pretty good at walking. Say it walks at four miles per hour. Um, and, you know, it never, it doesn't have to, as far as we know, it doesn't eat, it doesn't sleep. It just is constantly moving. So if it constantly walked four miles per hour a day, it's 96 miles in 24 hours. So if you got in your car and drove from the East Coast to the West Coast, it would take you 60 hours. It would take this, the it, uh, roughly 52 and a half days to cross the country if it walked in a straight line. Well, So that's, that's the thing I thought about. I'm like, okay, yeah, just drive to a different coast. That gives you almost two months that you don't even have to worry about this thing. What if the it is smart enough to jump a plane because it can just you know walk right on? No one would see it. That's true. And uh, you got to wonder if it, because they do a bit of traveling back and forth in this movie, if it's actually happened to walk from where you last saw it or if it just appears somewhere else. Well, from what the rules of the movie say it's always moving towards you. I think it says it's always walking. And uh, I, I read some interviews with a director and I think he said the rules are like, this thing is smart, you know? Um, so I guess it, it's feasible. Like I think someone had asked him like, well, what if you got on a plane and flew to Asia? Would it have to walk across the water? And he was like, no, it would be able to walk onto a plane and fly over. So it's a smart thing. And you see that in the movie, like, um, Near the end, they try to set booby traps for it, but it's immediately on to them and kind of ruins their plans, you yeah. know? Um, and, and that's one thing I liked about the movie is, um, so they're trying to find the guy, Hugh, that gave the curse to Jay, mm-hmm. and they find out that's not even his real name, um, that it's actually Jeff, and they're trying to find him so they can find out more about what's going on. And they find um, an address of where he was supposed to be staying, and it's like this abandoned house. But he'd filled it with all these booby traps and stuff, so he would know if the thing came, and um, which is a really cool scene. But I wanted it to be I, like I wish they had gone more elaborate with it. Like I wanted it to be like 
home alone level booby traps <laughs> like because for me that like I, I think they're working on a sequel to this movie that would be amazing like someone had made their house ready for the thing to come so when it does there's like it could like fall through floors or catch it in a net or you know just different crazy stuff like that that you would think you know you're trying to survive this thing coming at you like one of the rules he gives her is never go in a, a place that only has one exit you yeah. know things like that so if, to take someone like that character of Hugh who's kind of a little mental because of what he's been through with this thing to see someone obsess about that and make like this house of booby traps and horrors i think would be a lot of fun you don't think it would be showing too much no because i think it's you're not showing about too much about the monster i think you're showing how people are dealing with the situation and that i like like that's where i go in my head you know it's kind of like um like i was saying earlier i like movies that make you think about the scenario for days afterwards like for me uh the original dawn of the dead was like that for like a week after i saw the movie i'm like oh what would it be like if there was a zombie apocalypse and i moved into the mall and thinking about our mall and where would i live and you know what would i do and how would you know things like that i think this movie does that for you so i i would enjoy that like if there was they kind of showed some of like someone prepping and getting ready um it kind of reminded me of did you ever see the movie darkness falls Man, that I think I have. But it was about to... the killer tooth fairy. Oh yeah, yeah. And there was the guy who, like, if you saw the tooth fairy, she would kill you. But she can't ever enter the light. So there was the kid who saw the tooth fairy as a kid, and it killed his mom. And ever since then, he's been sleeping in light. And like, he's an adult, and so it shows his apartment. It's like full of flashlights and lighting systems and all this stuff. So he's had to keep the tooth fairy away for like twenty years, or whatever. So it kind of reminded me of that. Like, I'd like to see a little something, you know, not too much. Let's not make it all about that. But, like, if they did that in the sequel, I think that would be really awesome. Yeah. There is a sequel coming up. Uh, but as far as IMDb says, it's 2016 is when it would be released. That was last year. Yeah. So what's up with that? I don't know. I, I was looking at the director's IMDb, and he didn't make a second one yet. So uh. I haven't heard anything. It must have been delayed or something, but... Uh, they should definitely have the same director do the sequel because he did a great job with this movie. It was beautifully shot, really well acted. The script was nice. It didn't feel stupid or cheesy. Um, the characters are super relatable. Um, yeah, I think he did a great job with this movie. What would you say you don't like about this movie? Um, I think the only thing I don't like about this movie is the character Paul. Yeah, I liked Paul. I For me, he's like he's kind of like the shy, nerdy kid, which is fine. He just wants to get laid. Right, like he's got this huge crush for the main girl, Jay. But it's like he never really like steps up his game to like get her. And that's like so the other guy gets her at some point. And it's like, I don't know. It, it, the way he interacts with her just bugs me because it's like it's almost like he's trying to like not like manipulate her, but almost guilt her into being with him. Cause he'll keep talking about like, Oh, remember when we were growing up? Oh, remember how I was your first kiss. Remember, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, he definitely loves the character Jay, but I think the way he shows it, it's like, you can tell she's just annoyed by him. Cause yeah. he's not like, he's just like mopey and emo about it. And she he's wants not, a challenge. Well, and I think she needs a protector. And I think that I'll give him credit. Paul does step up and try to protect her at one point. Um, but then he's also kind of dumb. And like at the end of the movie, like it's his big plan to stop the thing that falls apart miserably. He gets a gun and starts trying to shoot the thing, which they did earlier in the movie and found out didn't work. 
And so he's shooting at it, ends up shooting Yara in the leg. It's like, he's kind of an idiot. And, like, doesn't even phase when he shoots her. He's not like, oh, whoops. He's still trying to shoot this invisible thing he can't see. And I don't know. I just generally didn't like Paul because I feel like, I don't know, he's just kind of, like, wussy and sad. And it's like Jay goes through this huge ordeal. She's trying to be killed by this, like, ghost transforming thing. But at the same time, it's like all she also has to kind of talk to Paul and like help him feel better about himself. And I don't know. That just it, it made me really not like him. Yeah. I tell you what I didn't like is I love this movie up until the towards the end when they have this big idea to to electrocute the the it by by um, she she's supposed to sit in a in a pool. And when he comes along, when the thing comes along and gets in the water, she's supposed to get out and they're going to throw electronics in the water and electric. So this movie doesn't have any CG in it that I can remember until the end when they're the the thing. Like you said, it it isn't stupid. It learns that that's what they're trying to do. And mm-hmm. it starts throwing things in itself. Yeah. And I just thought the the objects being thrown into the water uh, at Jay just look very CG to me. Yeah, it wasn't quite as smooth as you would have liked. And you see that a little bit. They had a couple little spots similar to that throughout the film that weren't as bad. But yeah, I would agree with you. That pirate was a little um, a little hokey or something. Like, I mean, I think if they had just used like fishing line and picked it up and then thrown it, may have looked a little better. Um, but I mean, it, I, for me, it didn't ruin anything. It was just kind of like could have been polished a little more. It would have been nice. Daniel, let me ask you. Yep. Where do you see Jesus in this movie? I guess you could kind of analyze it in a couple different ways. Um, for me, you know, it's it it would be um, the the act of you know it's a bunch of kids having premarital sex, and um, I guess they're they're running from their sin in such in, in kind of a way, maybe. Um, you know, it's that it it kind of haunts them. I don't know if that's true for every christian kid but you know it's kind of what we were told not to do when we were kids don't have sex until you're married and then these kids are you know they're hitting their prime and they start having sex and it just keeps you know this thing keeps following them and and reminding them like this is what happens when you have sex farmer where do you see it well i I definitely think what you're saying um makes sense that there is kind of that 80s like if you have sex, then you're punished. Like kind of, you know, you Friday Thirteenth, yeah. The best. All the all the slashers from the '80s kind of had that. You know, if you have sex, if you do drugs, if you drink, then that's who the killer goes after. So there is that element to it. The survivor um, girl is usually the one who's a virgin, right? Yeah, and uh, so this movie kind of takes, I think, a little bit of that idea. Um, it doesn't follow it all the way through. It is a little different. It's not the. Uh, I mean, we learned through the movie, like, before Jay gets the curse, she's not a virgin. And um, at the end, you know, she's like, you know, the movie doesn't wrap everything up perfect. um, So you don't quite know where everything stands with her and if she's going to make it or not. Um, So I don't know. It doesn't, you know, not everyone that has sex in this film dies, I think is what I'm trying to say. But I definitely think there is, I mean, sex obviously is a big theme in this movie i think that the creature or the it or whatever you want to call it um is almost like um like the sense i got from the movie was it's like an embodiment of libido that is this thing that um everyone you know follows everyone and can uh be pretty uh pretty strong for a lot of people it's kind of always in the back of your mind and it's not until it's satisfied 
that it really goes away only in this sense of the movie when it's satisfied you're dead um so it's a little you know different but for me that's what i thought the movie was trying to say that it's kind of like a commentary on a sex drive especially at a young age which you know the whole libido thing it reminds me of the whole part where greg you know he sleeps with that girl and then uh his mom actually busts down his door and has sex with him Right, Which right. Is just, like just really clear, eerie. Not his actual mom. It's the creature in yeah. the form of his mom. The yeah, she. Mom. It shows up and takes the form of his mom and bangs on his door till he opens it, and he's like, "What, mom?" And then it's like she's standing there with her robe open and her boobs out, and she jumps on him. And then Jay sees it happen, and when she runs in, it's crazy. There's like all these like flashing lights that mm-hmm. just seem to be happening because. Um, like the it is basically on top of Greg, like dry humping him, and it like is I guess like sucking the life out of him somehow, and so like Greg dies, essentially being dry humped by his mother. <laughs> yeah, which was definitely an interesting, very creepy. Scene. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like it shows um, in the opening scene, you see a victim of this of the it, and it's pretty gruesome. Like a girl has like her neck or her, her uh, legs snapped back on itself, you know. Yeah. So it's pretty. Uh, Pretty violent, visceral way to die. Where do you see Kevin Costner in this film? Um, the whole Waterworld. I think it's her dad, her Jay's dad. dad. At the end, that could have been Costner. Could have been Costner. He's trying to drown her. He's like, "Come to the Waterworld. <laughs> I have kills." Great movie. Ears. I like I don't Water- care what anybody says. Waterworld's awesome. I liked Waterworld. Dennis Hopper. Come on. And uh, what's her face? Is the little girl in it? I can't. I don't remember who she is when she grows up. Yeah. She got the tattoo. I could talk about Waterworld all day. We should just have a podcast called the The Waterworld. The Waterworld podcast. Waterworld is a good movie podcast. (laughs) I I think that I guess maybe where I see Jesus or maybe spirituality in this movie is kind of in the it. um, That it takes on uh, different looks and different characters in an attempt to bring you down and to end you. And I think we you could see that almost as a metaphor for like spiritual warfare um, or just really the things that we all struggle with um, that could potentially ruin our life, whatever it may be, whether it's anger, alcoholism or whatever, drug addiction. You know, we all have our vices that um, have the potential to ruin us. And um, I, I like that uh, a cool thing in this movie is that so Jay has this thing she's dealing with that, you know, she sees this entity that changes and is trying to kill her. Her friends can't see it. They can't feel what she's feeling. They can't experience what she's feeling. But they still kind of come around her and support her. Not at first. Uh, no, not at first. But you see, I think pretty quickly, um, Yara and Kelly and Paul are definitely on her side. Um, you know, the two girls are sleeping in the the same bedroom with Jay to keep her company and help her feel safe. And everyone's looking out for her to help her in this situation. Um, you know, with Greg, he's like, he wants to help, but he totally doesn't believe it in, in the, the creature or whatever. Slowly everyone else does, but Greg, I don't think ever really does until it's too late for him. Um, so I, I like that, that there's like this um, kind of, a, in a sense, a message of, you know, something that helps people get through really hard times as their friends and their community. And I think if, if the church has anything going on for it, it's that. It's community. It's, you know, brotherhood, sisterhood. It's it's love and friendship. And um, 
you know, that's, I feel like I've read some, some studies or some stuff that have come out recently that said like, that's one of the main cures for drug addiction is community. Like, being around people that love you and helping you through those hard times. Um, so I think maybe that's where I see Jesus as far as like in her friends and uh, them doing their best, maybe not always doing the right thing, but doing the best they can to help um, Jay through the situation, even to the point, um, I don't know if maybe it's a metaphor, even like Greg and Paul kind of laying down their lives in quotes, you know, having sex with her so that they take her burden on so she doesn't have to anymore. So I think I kind of see Jesus in that, um, not the best metaphor, but, um, just laying down your own life for your friends. You know, the Bible says that, you know, no greater love, um, is there than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And so I, I see that, you know, Greg and Paul doing that. And even the, you know, Yara and Kelly, they're, when the, it comes around, they're doing their best to fight it, even though they can't see it. And, you know, um, they just want their friend to be safe. So. Yeah, I think that's where I see Jesus. Awesome. Daniel, we both really like this movie. So for you, is this movie an own it, a watch it, or a skip it? I would say own it. Um, I watched this movie along, you know, when it first came out, and I actually forgot about it when we talked about redo it, re, you know, talking about this for the podcast. So I rewatched it. I was like, oh, yeah, I watched this movie already. And then I watched it like two more times in that, you know, in a couple weeks there. So I enjoy it. It's, it's a kind of movie that you can watch multiple times and it doesn't really become old. Um, and it, if anything, it just gets more interesting the more you watch it. So I would say own it. Yeah, I agree. It's For me, it's definitely an own. I think that most horror fans are going to like this movie if you're, you know, 80s gore hounds like us, you're going to like it because it has that 80s feel. If uh, you're new to horror, I think you're going to like it because the premise is very creative, very unique. Um, and th- and there is that psychological element to you, to it to put you, you know, you're trying to figure out the problems and how the s- characters are su- survive. And it's real easy to insert yourself in the situations. So I think it's a movie for everyone. I definitely think it's an own. What movies would you have uh, to recommend if people like It Follows? What would you say was be a, a, a good movie to watch? If you like this movie, I would recommend you watch Don't Breathe. Yeah, I still uh, haven't seen this movie. Tell me about it's it. It's really good. It just came out last year. Um, I can't remember the director's name, but he was the same guy that did the Evil Dead remake. Um, Great they, film. Yeah, very good. Um, and so in Don't Breathe, it's the idea is these three um, – thieves break into this uh, blind guy's house because they find out that um, he had this big settlement and they think he's got all this cash in his house. And so they're breaking in, attempting to steal his money, and then things kind of go poorly for them. Um, and they end up getting stuck in the house. Um, so it's a real it's a real intense horror movie. It's very um, – like it doesn't let up. It's just constantly like – one problem after the other and just people, you know, getting in these situations. It reminds me a little bit of the people under the stairs um, from the 90s, which I love. Grew up watching that movie. So scary um, when I was a kid watching yeah, that movie. Very unsettling film. And uh, Don't Breathe reminds me of that. Also, um, Greg from It Follows, the guy that plays the character Greg, he's also in Don't Breathe. And, um, and both films are set, um, It Follows and Don't Breathe, are set in Detroit. So there's a lot of similarities as far as the landscape and like where they're set. Um, pretty similar. So I definitely think if you like It Follows, you would like Don't Breathe. Um, but what about you, Daniel? If people like this movie, what do you think they should check out? I would say The Babadook, if you haven't, we've mentioned it before. If you haven't seen it, it is an awesome movie. It's about this little kid in this book. Um, 
it's kind of like a pop-up book uh, called The Babadook. And the mother just trying to understand this book and where it came from. Um, another movie that I really enjoy that kind of reminds me is The Taking of Deborah Logan, which was, it's on Netflix if you haven't seen it. It's a possession movie and it is very captivating and by the end of it you're told you're totally sold on this movie it's amazing it is a very good movie i think that um like that would be we might would do an episode on the taking of deborah, deborah logan, logan yeah. um because i remember when i watched it um because it, it deals a lot with mental illness um and especially like alzheimer's and dementia so for me like i had two parents that i lost to that so it kind of immediately struck a chord with me because of that but then it's also shot first person style which is really cool which helps make uh, that movie so creepy. Like, there's yeah. some really chilling shots in that movie. and Especially uh, towards the end. Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, I remember when I watched that movie, I watched it in the morning, and um, I realized after I'd watched it that I hadn't had my normal second cup of coffee. So, like, it was so good that it made me forget about coffee. And I'm like, that's saying a lot for a movie. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I agree with you. The Taking of Deborah Logan is awesome. You like to watch horror movies early in the morning? I watch horror movies all hours of the day. I'll tell you, I watched The Shining at like 5 a.m. I woke up really early. It ruined my whole day. <laughs> I can't do it, man. I can't watch horror movies early in the day because they just really like get your mind going yeah. in that direction all day long. Well, awesome. So we would definitely own this movie. It's it's uh, amazing the way it's shot, the way it, the actors, the whole storyboard, not giving you too much, just giving you enough. <laughs> so yeah, definitely check out It Follows. So, Farmer, you've talked about exploitation films for the past year, and they've piqued my curiosity. So this year, in 2017, we're going to do Farmer's, Farmer's exploitation, exploitation Pick, Pick of the, of the Week. week. <laughs> so tell us about your exploitation film for this episode. Thank you, Daniel. Um, for those who aren't familiar with exploitation films, they come from uh, a lot of the 60s and 70s, even into the 80s, and the basic idea was uh, these companies were making films they didn't have huge budgets for, um, so they couldn't afford these you know, big-name actors and all this stuff, so basically they would exploit a theme in the film to get people to the theaters and to the drive-ins to see these films, and so that's why you have all these different um, subgenres of exploitation film, like uh, black exploitation or Nazi exploitation or sex exploitation, you know, and there's the schlock uh, uh, exploitation films, which is like just kind of silliness and stuff. Um, but a lot of these movies, what I love about them is because they didn't have big budgets, they didn't have a ton of money to throw at the problems, it forced them into really creative solutions. And a lot of these movies are awesome. Um, they're a lot of fun. Um, they're lighthearted. And it, it seemed like they would do things um, studio movies wouldn't or couldn't do. So there's a lot of freedom, and, and it gives you a different feel. So love exploitation films, um, thus the new segment. So it, my exploitation pick of the week. Pick of the week! is Switchblade Sisters from 1975. Switchblade Sisters is a movie about the leader of an inner-city girl gang who gets challenged by a new girl who moves into the neighborhood. Um, it was directed by Jack Hill, who... Uh, Jack Hill is, like, one of the godfathers of exploitation film from the 70s. He did so many exploitation films. And when we did our hot tub um, Q&A, I talked a lot about him. Um, Jack Hill directed Coffee, Foxy Brown... The Big Bird Cage. Um, he also did Spider Baby, which was one of Sid Haig's. Spider Baby. Yeah, Sid Haig, one of Sid Haig's first films. Um, so he did this movie, The Switchblade Sisters, which is also known as The Jezebels. 
Um, it's a great movie about a, a, a gang in the inner city. Um, there's kind of like the girl gang and the guy gang all working together, and then they're fighting other gangs, and, and all this, you know, people are getting killed, and there's backstabbing and fights. Um, it's such a fun movie, and it's, you know, a lot of uh, crazy, silly dialogue that'll make you laugh. Um, it's got everything you want in an exploitation film. There's gun battles. There's switchblade fights. Um, there's a shootout at a roller rink. Um, there's even a girl with an eye patch. So I would definitely, definitely recommend Switchblade Sisters, 1975. So we're real excited about 2017. We our last episode of 16 was uh, things that scare Christians, and we interviewed a friend of ours named Edith, who is a lesbian and she's also a Christian, which scares a lot of Christians. So that's what we want to get into in 2017 is other things that scare Christians, such as uh, yeah, we're going to talk about some stuff like uh, polyamory. Um, sex, nudity, um, maybe like drugs and alcohol, cursing, uh, cursing, uh, different religions and stuff like that. Um, so we're really excited about it. Um, our episode, um, with Edith was our second most listened to episode to date. Yeah. 20,000 um, viewers. Amazing. Yeah. They viewed our audio podcast. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so so I, I we feel like uh, that's definitely what people are wanting to hear more of is um, Christians talking about things that maybe are uh, uncomfortable, taboo. Yeah, yeah, taboo and uncomfortable. We, we and, grew uh, up in very legalistic Christian homes, and and now we're trying, you know, as we get older, we're we're really kind of uh, deconstructing all that and looking at it from a new vision, new light, you know, and how we should take on on things that we. We're told we're bad when we right. were younger. Yeah, so it's we're looking forward to a lot of that stuff, and uh, we would love to hear from everybody as far as topics that you'd like to see us cover. Um, I don't know that there's anything that's off the table for us, so um, yeah. we're looking give forward us, to those. Give us something hard, yeah. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> so we welcome any kind of questions or anybody want to give us a topic for an episode. Farmer, where can they find us? Uh, we are on Facebook, the Scared Christian Podcast. We're also on Twitter, at Scared Christian, and Instagram. Um, also, if you're listening to this, you probably found us either on SoundCloud or iTunes. Uh, please subscribe. Give us some likes and reviews. Um, that just helps more people find us. And uh, we would just love to have feedback so we kind of know what it is you all want to hear. If you thought Paul was wonderful and it follows and you think I'm full of shit, I want to hear about it. I want to know what's going on. So definitely hit us up. And uh, let us know what you think. From the Scare Christian Podcast, I'm Daniel. I'm Justin. Stay scared.